Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Hey, we are starting this new series. And uh, I don't know if you have just the, the there we go. Oh, I like that. I love that. You can't talk about that in church. How many have ever been in a church where, uh, you know, they talk about everything that kind of, you know, they don't ever push the envelope, you know? I love to push the envelope. I love it. And so um, the next four weeks, man, I want to I make you get kind of like, what is, is he really talking about that in church? Yeah. And some of these were your ideas. Two months ago, I posted on Facebook, I said, what are the things that are never talked about in church? And all you were like, blah, 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 blah. You had no idea it was going to turn into a message, but ha! on you. So um, these are things that you've asked for. These are things that you want. Now, let me say this. During this time, if you're going, well, that's not really what I wanted to learn about. I really want to know about this. I can't hit all the topics in the month of January, but if there's something that's really deep in your heart, you're going, man, the church never talks about fill in the blank. Let me know. Call a church, email me, text me, whatever, because I want to present as much as I can. Because just to be honest, because this is going to be a really transparent message series because we don't ever have those here, right? If you're like, I'm so scared right now, I, I can't wait. Don't worry, today's, today's an easy one. We're going to start easy. Um, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. I want you to know, I pray for you. I, I go, God, what is it that the congregation needs to go, how can I get along in my life? And half the time what ends up happening, what I pray for you and what I preach is something that I have to live through that week. So God doesn't make me a hypocrite up here going, I, I have all these. No, I end up living it, you know? So there's things I don't preach on anymore. Don't preach on patience. No, I don't, I don't preach on that because I have to go through that to learn it before I preach to you. You know, having more faith. No, I don't, I'm good. I don't want to have, you know, God, I have to trust in you more. No, I'm good. I'm good. So there are a few things where I'm going, no, I'm just going to sit in my comfort zone. But honestly, to be very honest with you, um, I go and I go, God, help me present this to the church. And, and I just have to tell you that nine times out of 10, probably 10 times out of 10, when I'm going, God, what can I bless the church with? You actually end up being a blessing to me. I just want you to know that, okay? Like from the stories that I hear from the things on Facebook, everybody in this church is so life-giving and so encouraging that I'm afraid that when somebody new comes in, they're probably going to be skeptical going, is this like legit? Is this real? And I just have to say, church, it is. It is. Can I hear an amen? Come on, somebody. That's, that's the bridge. And I, I just love it. So here we go. I'm going to fly through this. Um, I'm going to hit a few points, and I have a lot to give you. So I'm going to cram this. I'm going to stretch you this morning. So if you're with me, say yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Open up to Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Let's go. It says, truly I tell you. These are, these are red words, by the way. So this is Jesus' words. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here and there to there, and it will be moved. Nothing will be impossible for you. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, within our charismatic, within our Pentecostal, within a spirit-filled movement, what happens is we love, we love to take that last part and we go, nothing will be impossible for you. You can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we start putting all these scriptures together and we're making complete horse junk theology, okay? All right, so here's why. Let me explain. Jesus was with his disciples. He's hanging out. So go back in your DeLorean with me to like, you're, here's Jesus with, you know, like you're 30, all right? And he's with his disciples and he's looking up on this mountain and he sees this mountain over the Sea of Galilee and up on it is what? If you don't know, historically, and unfortunately we don't get this context in our Bible, but it's Caesar. It's Caesar up carved in kind of like Mount Rushmore within the context of this verse. And so Jesus is going, look at there's Caesar. You think he's all powerful? You think he's all that in a bag of Doritos? He's not. 
He's like, you know who is? The kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God can do all things and will overthrow this government you just watched. It's not going to be impossible. Do we ever get that when we read this verse? That's the context in which it's formed. So when we go, man, you want to pray for that Lamborghini, that Ferrari? Anything can happen in God's name. Come on. That's bad theology. That is, that is like, that, that's like inverse. That's like, it's not about what we want. It's about who God is, okay? It's about who God is. And so I want to talk to you about this this morning and, and this one thing that's never talked about in church. We talk about faith all the time, but one of the things that's never, ever, ever touched on is doubt. We don't talk about doubt in the church. Doubt is like, no, don't talk about doubt. Now, don't worry. We're going to get into some crazier stuff the next few weeks. But none of us ever talk about the doubt that we have. Have you ever seen a pastor come up on stage and say, you know what? I don't know that I believe 100% everything I'm telling you. Well, today we're going to turn that around a little bit. Okay? Doubt is a regular part of faith. Doubt is God's way of making us hungry for deeper revelation. It really is. God can use your doubt. If I stood up here and I said, I have no doubt whatever in my faith, I would be a liar and a hypocrite. Hypocrite. Okay? I can't say that to you. I can't say that I have no doubt. If I did, I'm, I'm basically, I'm going to get struck by lightning or something because that's not true. It's not true. Now, God doesn't strike us with lightning. Doubt, though, should not be feared. I think we fear doubt. We especially fear people in place of authority because this is why pastors never talk. We're taught never to talk about doubt. We're taught to come in and own the room. We're talked about, you talk about your confidence that you have. You talk, pastors are taught, fake it till you make it. And I say that's all horse pucky. And here's why. I, I think people's, I call it the BS meter today. It's way up. People know if it's BS or not, okay? People know, are you telling me the truth or are you just blowing stuff out your nose? Like, what is it? And I got this cold. I'm blowing a lot of stuff out my nose right now, okay? It is gross. And so I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be very, very transparent the next few weeks. And if that ain't cool, man, that's all good. There's a lot of other life-giving churches. But even, it's not only the Christian that doubts, okay? That's not what I'm saying. We all doubt. Even the atheist doubts their faith. Now, I'd rather be a Christian and get it wrong than an atheist and get it wrong. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Are you with me? If you're with me, say yeah. Going to get a little dicey this morning. The bridge, though, I want you to know this. This is a safe place to be a skeptic. Cynic, not so much. Cynic, you need all the information and everything. Can't change a cynic's mind, but you can change a skeptic's mind. If you're a cynic, you're on your own. If you're a skeptic, you're in good company. Because a skeptic goes, I just need some more information. I need to understand so I can wrap my mind around what God is doing. The bridge is that safe place. And so this is a safe place to be a skeptic and search for the answers to your questions. Come on, show hands right now, right now. We're honest with each other. This is, this is both you and me. I don't want to just like preach at you. This is both of us together here this morning, okay? How many of you have questions in your faith? Right? And if you don't, you should question your faith. I want to tell you about a guy that I really, really like. And, and before I do, let me just say this. This scripture here. Now, in context, Jesus is saying about that mountain, he can move, it can be cast into the sea is another verse. Let me just say this, outside of this verse, that what happens a lot of times is our doubt can create these monsters or these mountains. And this morning, I want to say that faith can actually 
move the mountain your doubt created, okay? Faith can move the mountain your debt, your, your debt, your doubt created, or your debt. <laughs> um, I want to talk about a guy in the Bible, Old Testament here, and so if you have a Bible and you want to read with me, you can turn to Judges chapter 13, and, and his name is Manoah. Everybody say Manoah. Manoah. It's like a cool name, Manoah, you know? If you're having a boy, there you go, there's a new name for you, okay? Manoah. Wouldn't it be cool just like in nine months, somebody's like, we named him Manoah, because we got, you know, anyway. Um, some of you will get there. And uh, Manoah in the Old Testament had a wife. And here's, just, just up to this point, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, how many of us have ever done evil in the eyes of the Lord? All of us. And, and could you imagine what happens, what they did to Israel? Basically, God said, you know what? I want you back, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to place you in the hands of this people called the Philistines. You're going to be under their oppression for 40 years until I deliver you. So for 40 years, that's even older than I am, they are with the Philistines. They're worshiping this warlike God. Um, it's like a fish God. It's just great, weird stuff happening. That's besides the point this morning. Well, Manoah and his wife, God starts talking to him. says, you know what? Through you guys, you're going to have a child, and that child is going to be the one that frees us from oppression. He says, that's going to happen. And Manoah and his wife doubt. They go, well, well wait a second. Uh, really? Because, um, hey, God, my wife can't have kids. She's barren. She, she can't have kids. Heather and I's first child, just so you know, being transparent here, uh, we had a miscarriage, and it scared us to death. We didn't know if we were going to have kids after that. We, we, man, we were in tears. It was, it was a tough time, and the more we went through that, the more I learned that a lot of other people have gone through that as well. It's just not something we, we talk about a lot. And through this, Manoah and his wife, they prayed. In fact, the angel of the Lord came and said, you're going to be with child, came back, and, and they even begged God, God, would you please come back and speak to me that this is going to be true? And he came back, and Manoah, you know, a guy in his own faith, he didn't have his faith perfect. He's like, can we just have the angel of the Lord stay here? We want God to stay with us because we don't feel like God is always with us. Have we ever felt that way? Come on, somebody. You know, we, like, God, please just stay with me. I don't feel your presence right now. I want to feel it. And Manoah was in that place. So let's, let's look at this story just a little bit this morning in Judges chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. The first two verses. It says, a certain man of Zorah named, say it with me, Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you're barren and childless, but, but, you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now, can we be real honest with each other here right now? Here's Manoah and his wife. They're hanging out. Angel of the Lord shows up. First thought, what's your first thought that goes through your mind? Is this real or am I hallucinating? Are you just going to accept it for face value? Angel, no. How many times do we hear miracle stories and we discredit it or we discount what's really happening? But it's really God showing up and showing off. I don't know about you, but I'm being honest. I would doubt. I would be like, yo, show me your license, angel. I want to see it. You got a license to do this kind of thing, you know? And, uh, you know, you're probably going, what, what, how did that look? You know, is this, is this crazy? Did, did we have some bad communion the night before? Like, what, what happened here? This is Old Testament, by the way, that wouldn't happen. But then they choose to believe, even within their doubt. Re- read on here, verse 5. It says, you will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor, because the boy will be a Nazarite, see he wasn't a millennial, dedicated to God from the womb. 
he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now, now you might say, what does that mean? A razor never to touch his head. There was a Nazarite vow. Just as Pastor Derek and I, we lead the church, we have to take a vow with the assemblies of God. Manoah had to take a vow as a Nazarite from the tribe of the Danites, which we're not going to, that's crazy theology we don't have to get into this morning. But here's the purpose of this, was to set him apart, to set the Redeemer of Israel apart, the Judge of Israel apart, so he looked different than anybody, everybody else, okay? He wasn't born to fit in, he was born to stick out. That goes for every single person in here as well, okay? And so he's born to stick out, and, and they're going, all right, is this going to happen? Is this not going to happen? They, they don't know, all right? And so they're trusting in God, even in their doubt. And so a Nazarite, all the definition of a Nazarite is, is there's no hair can be cut from their face or their head, and they can't drink of the cup. In other words, they, they can't drink alcohol. That's a Nazarite vow within the Old Testament. And so uh, they didn't want to have any, any association that they were, you know, could be drunk. And so they wouldn't even eat anything from the vine because of this. And so he was called to be set apart. So I don't know about you, but first, the angel of the Lord's telling me, I'm going to have a kid. And then second, you got to follow these crazy rules. I'd be like, who are you? You know, I think in our day and age, in our independent nature, it'd be a little freaky. Like, really, what's happening? Let's read on here. Verse six and seven. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, a man of God came to me. All right, guys, pause. See, the angel of the Lord talked to her. Now she comes to him. Guys, how many of you, if your wife came to you tonight and said, you know what, after church today, well, I was shopping at County Market getting some fried chicken for the games. An angel of the Lord came up and spoke to me. I, I bet not one of you right now in 100% certainty could say, I 100% believe her. You're probably like, she needs a nap. Okay? Your wife probably needs a nap anyway, Sunday afternoon, so let her have one. Read on here. Okay, he looked like an angel of God, looked like an angel of God. Very awesome, very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. Sounds like somebody's trying to heist or something. But he said to me, you will become pregnant and have a son. Next verse here, verse 8. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I beg you to let the man of God you sent come back to us again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Something happened, we don't know, we don't know their whole story. But something happened where all of a sudden the doubt went out and he goes, we want you to come back so we can understand how to live and be with us. Don't leave me where I'm at. I need the miracle, God. I'm believing it. I have my doubt, but I'm believing it. I know you can come through. I'm just waiting on you, God. So show up and show off in my life. How many need that prayer today? Come on, somebody. All right. So it goes on here and it says, Manoah prayed to the Lord, pardon your servant. I beg you to let the man of God you sent to us Come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. I wanted to read that a second time, and here's why. Because every single one of us has times in our life where we're going, God, where are you? Where are you? Like, seriously, God, what, what are you doing? Where are you at? So here's what I want to give to you. We got five minutes. I'm going to give you five things, so one per minute, okay? Um, what I want to give to you is I want to give you five just take-homes. So if you're a note-taker, these are for you today. If you're not a note-taker, you can watch it online. You can get these. You can listen to the podcast, but take these to heart. I've been praying and praying, and I believe these are for you today. They're for those of us who doubt. They're for those of us that aren't 100% certain of everything in our life. For those of us that have a little bit of skepticism within us. And come on, that's all of us, all right? So, number one is this. Number one, for us to define what is practical in God's kingdom is impractical. For us to define what is practical in God's kingdom is impractical. Let me explain what that means. Um, 
A few years ago, probably about 15, 16 years ago, a friend of mine who I worked with at a different church, he asked me, he said, hey, Pastor Chris, would you come to Mercy Hospital and pray with me? A friend of mine is dying. And I said, well, what's he dying of? And, and it was cancer, I believe. And it was stage four, it was terminal. And, and I thought, honestly, I was like, I don't know that, I'm, I'm afraid that I don't even have the faith of a mustard seed to do this. Because I believe God can heal, but when I, I'm going, I don't know that if I pray, if, is he going to be healed or not? And I was scared to death going into this hospital. It's the first time um, that I prayed for somebody that was going to die to live. And so we go in there together. Him and I are standing at the foot of the bed. We ask this permission. We pray for the man. And, and we, you know, we ask, can we lay hands on you? The Bible talks about laying out of hands. So we lay hands on him and we pray for him. And I start praying. And, and you know, we're just praying in the spirit. We're praying, God, would you, would you heal this man? And uh, went away and, and got to know his story a little bit got a call from my friend the next day and he said, Pastor Chris, I just want you to know, thank you so much for coming and praying. My faith was like, I was just excited. And he goes, I just want you to know he passed away peacefully last night. My heart sank. Like everything, I I got on my knees and I'm like, God, I don't understand. I don't understand. Everywhere in the Bible, every single time you see Jesus go and pray for healing in the Bible, do you know every time he prays for it, it happens? Every single time throughout scripture. There's not one time he prays for healing that it doesn't happen in the Bible. And I was PO'd. I was like, God, why is this not happening? I was doubting. I was going, is it my faith? Is it standing in the way? And I'm going, Lord, here's the thing. And it comes full circle back to this. My ways are not his ways. Okay? Do I have doubt? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You do too. We're in good company. But I'm still going to trust. I'm still going to trust. Okay? So... His ways are not his ways. So what you define as practical in God's kingdom is impractical. He sees the bigger picture when we don't. Number two. Everybody say number two. Come on. Come on, everybody. Number two. Wake up this morning. Here we go. Can you literally say in your faith without a doubt? I think there's a difference in our faith between confidence that says, I believe with everything in me, even when I have a little doubt. That's confidence. But when I say those three words without a doubt, now I'm arrogant. God doesn't want arrogance. He wants confidence in him. Okay? I, I have, uh, it was interesting. I was listening to a podcast here um, of a pastor down in North Carolina. And he was actually preaching on doubt. I was like, no way. He's preaching on the same thing I'm preaching on. And he was talking about, you know, how Joseph would have doubted Mary Um, and her pregnancy during the Christmas story. It was a great message. And he had a staff, it's a church of about 20,000 people. And uh, the church, as he was presenting it, one of his campus pastors got up and he started praying at the end of his service. He asked anyone who wants to receive Christ, you know, raise your hand like we do here. Raise your hand, say yes to Jesus if you want. And he said this within his prayer. He says, without a doubt, I know that Jesus is Savior. And he said, that's a problem for us to say as pastors. Because yes, we believe with everything that's within us. We have 100% belief, you know, and we pray, God, we believe, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. That's what it gets down to. So can you literally say, without a doubt? Let me just say this. I believe our doubts are never all the way gone. And I actually believe that God is actually more tolerant of our doubts than churches are. Is that fair? I think that's fair. In fact, the doubt is not the absence of faith. It's actually an element of it. And now, if for those of you that are like the super Christian this morning, and you're like, what about that scripture in James where it says, if I come to God and I don't believe, you can't. That's different context. That's different context, okay? That's in praying. This is in believing. There's two separate entities that are happening. So if you think you can say without a doubt, 
Here's what I have to say to you. Ain't none of you had kids yet. Number three, or teenagers, questioning your faith is not a character flaw, okay? Questioning your faith, it's not a character flaw at all. Inquisitiveness and questioning are huge, investable parts of the faith. Invest that into your faith while question. Can I, can I tell you what? You know what I love? I love when somebody comes to me and they say, Pastor, I got a question for you. I want to ask you about this. And I'm going, let's, let's have a convo for a little bit. I love that. I love that. And, like, and they feel really bad at first. Like, Pastor, I'm sorry that I even have these questions. Because what happened in a different church or a different experience is they had these questions and they were told, you can't have those questions. People from other churches told you, this is what you have to believe. You're not going to hear that here. We ain't going to shove any crap down your throat, okay? We want you to believe. Everything in me wants you to have eternal life. And I believe with everything in me that the only way through eternal life is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. That's the simple, most deep truth you'll ever find in all of Scripture. Can I hear a good amen? Come on. Come on. Piano's playing. I got three more for you quick here. Two more. My wife's not here. She's the math teacher. What do you want from me? All right. If God were small enough for our minds, he wouldn't be big enough for our needs. You trying to understand God? Understanding God is arrogant. Learning from God is confident. Okay? Learn from him. Don't try to understand everything he is. You cannot see the bigger picture of God. Stop trying. All right? Like, you're going to get frustrated. You know, that's why they call seminary a lot of times cemetery. Okay? Because that's where a lot of hopes, dreams, and faith dies. Because it's theological overload. It's not what God had intended. Heather used to have a t-shirt that said it. That's where I got that from. When we first met, I wasn't a person of faith yet. And I used to read that all the time. And I loved it. It's just stuck with me for 25 years now. I do have two. I must have had six. I'm sorry. I'll give you these last two here really quick. Go through the valley of doubt, but don't die there. Okay? These are really good, so I want to give them to you. Don't, don't die in the valley of doubt, but go through it. You know, the, the famous psalm in chapter 23, verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We've still got three minutes. You're good. Um, do you remember that, that old poem, the old footprints thing? You ever seen the footprints poem? And Maybe, maybe you haven't seen that before. Maybe you're younger, and, and it used to be in the you know, generations a little wiser than me, and they put it up on their, you know, in their rooms, or in their kitchen or wherever. And it was this footprints poem. And you saw one set of foot tracks in the sand. And part of the poem says, God, where were you? It's just me walking. And God says, no, that's when I was carrying you. Okay? That's, that's when I was, I got you, you know? I think sometimes we have to realize that. That we will walk through those valleys. But don't die in the valley. Get to the other side. He's got you. Allow him to carry you through. Don't stop. Don't give up. Somebody here this morning needs to hear these words. Don't give up. Don't get stuck in the junk that you're in. God has a plan for you. I know you don't believe me right now, and I know you have your doubts, but God has such a plan for you that you've got to stop giving up and trust in him, okay? Getting all Southern Baptist up in here this morning. All right. Last one, number 5.5 or letter E. Okay. I've got to work out my math. God can make the impossible possible. Do you doubt it? I do. I do from time to time. I do. But listen to what it says here at the end of that chapter about Manoah. Verse 24. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. 
How many familiar with that story? There you go. This is his parents, bro. Okay? Gave birth to a boy named Samson. If you read the story and you put that up in your kid's room, get rid of that as a bad story. Okay? But Samson, he's born and God used his situation for his glory. God took him and impacted an entire nation because of him. He must, oh, I thought it was just about his cool hair that he couldn't cut. It wasn't about his hair. It was about God's strength. He was a Nazarite. He couldn't cut it. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says this. I'm almost done. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, here's the real truth. I'm going to get a little underneath your fingernail right now, just for a moment. This morning, that promise is not for every single one of you here. I'll just tick some of you off. If you are a believer in Christ, that's your promise. If you're not a believer in Christ, you can't carry that promise yet. It's for those who have trusted in Him. Even with our skepticism. God's not asking you to get it all right and get it all just perfect. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes we can't see what God is doing. The fact that a barren woman gave birth to a judge, Samson, and was able to help deliver and rule over the Israelites. This is a miracle. God made the impossible possible. Okay, what are the things in our life that seem impossible? I know some of it for me because you share it with me. Or you post it on Facebook. Or Instagram. And I know when we're hiding behind those cute little pictures on Instagram what's really going on. You know? Some of it's financial. Some of need financial help. Some of it's raising kids. You're struggling, man. It's been tough. Get your butt there Tuesday night. Okay? Maybe it's fixing a marriage. Maybe I don't love my spouse anymore. That's an issue, bro or sis, that we got to deal with. Okay? Maybe it's going, I can't find the spouse. I don't think God created anybody for me. He probably did. Trust in him. You're probably doubting. That's okay. Maybe it's your job situation. Maybe it's sucky, man. And you're like, I need something new. Or maybe going, I've been praying for healing for this forever. It's just not happening. I don't see it. And you're starting to doubt and get skeptical. I've been there. I was at the hospital. Samson was sent to deliver his people just like Christ was for us, okay? Jesus delivers us from ourselves. I have many doubts, but I trust anyway, okay? Will you do the same with me? Will you do the same? What if, and let me end with this, when it comes to doubt, what if, think about this, this heavy, this heavy, this is like, hallelujah, okay? This is like, like hold on to this right now. You forget everything else I, I want you to, I want you to focus on, like, take this package and put in your pocket. Like, like, just memorize this for the whole week. Like, this is for you. This is for somebody here today. Okay? What if? What if? What? I got your attention, don't I? My eyes don't get this big usually. Okay? What if? What if we doubted our doubts rather than our faith? heavy think about it what if we doubted our doubts rather than doubting our faith this has been a podcast of the bridge church have a great week stop in sunday sometime and visit if you would like to give you can do so online at sfbridge.org have a great week